Feast of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. everyone, and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be here with you today as we are approaching this Thanksgiving week. And um, whatever you're doing this week, traveling or staying home, whether you're with family or friends or by yourself, uh, quite frankly. Um, And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I am actually going to be by myself for Thanksgiving, and I'll enjoy the day just as well. My family is actually uh, coming to visit me at the beginning of December, and so we are going to combine our Thanksgiving and Christmas together. Um, And so we should really be giving thanks at all times. So whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great one. And um, so thank you for listening today, and I hope this is a good start to your week. Uh, Last week, I submitted to you a book review Glenn Packiam's Blessed, Broken, Given. And today I'm actually getting back to a theological topic. Um, This is one that I think some people have a misunderstanding of. And so I wanted to kind of dive into that. And so Christianity really has faced nearly two millenniums of a faith which has been tested, persecuted, tried, and yet still blessed. And there's a commonality in Jesus Christ which exists among all global believers of diverse backgrounds, traditions, and cultures. And believers throughout the centuries are a part of the same adopted family. And so this collective group of people known as the church comes from disparate cultures, backgrounds, and even eras called the church. Think about that. If you're a Christian, you are part of a family of adopted people going back thousands of years. (laughs) And so all three of the major creeds in the Christian faith, when I talk about these creeds, there are several creeds and um, confessions of faith. The three major ones are the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. The Athanasian Creed is probably the most different. The Apostles and the Nicene Creed are very similar in many respects. Um, and all three of them refer to the body of Christ, the church, uh, and they affirm the Christian belief in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Okay, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. You may have heard settings of the creeds, uh, usually the the Apostles' Creed, set to music, um, and talking about believing in one church universal, or, or specifically the the direct translation from the Latin is one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so this affirmation kind of dismays many readers and hearers who don't have an appropriate understanding of the church universal. The term Catholic is not the denomination, okay? It's not what that is in this case. It equates to a universal or an all-encompassing church. In other words, the church is a single body of many believers and even many denominations, And so it's appropriate to affirm the Christian belief in this doctrine and to rejoice in this body that Christ has redeemed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So if you affirm 
that belief that you are part of one holy Catholic church, that is great, and we should. And there are many people that back off from that because they think the word Catholic is talking about the Catholic denomination, and that's not at all what it's talking about. And so within the text of these three major creeds, there are really four essentials that exist that bring bring to light the primary and right belief of the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, just in that line alone. So that's what I want to talk about today, the church, which is one holy Catholic church. So four essentials I want to go over here. The first one is that the church is one. The church is one. And so embedded in the doctrine of one holy Catholic and apostolic church, first, it upholds the biblical doctrine of one faith, one God, and one redeemed people in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Apostle Paul talks about. And so a mystery of the gospel is the fact that God joins a plurality of vast people as one body. And a common tendency is to perhaps subconsciously consider the church as as one's local church alone. If you attend a First Baptist or a uh, Grace Bible Church or a First United Methodist, whatever, uh, the tendency is to think that's the church, that is your church, that is my church. But local churches are part of one body. And so the church is one and should be regarded as one. And so by way of application, this means that Christians should not compete with one another. Christian churches shouldn't compete with one another. Local churches are of the same body and should strive to serve that body, not just their own needs. We're on the same team, and to, and to serve only the needs of one local church is effectively to act in a way that's contrary to the health of the, the, the global church. And so the church is one and should live as one, irrespective of differences, which we all have. Let's admit it. We do, and they're okay. And it's certainly good and acceptable to worship with a local body of believers, especially one that maybe you identify with, and serve in that local body. But we should not neglect the truth that the church is one. So the second essential here is that the church is holy. To be holy is to be set apart. God God calls the church to holiness because he is holy. And this is expressed in Leviticus in several places. Also in Exodus 19.6 and 1 Peter 1.16, 1 Thessalonians 4.7. Be holy for I am holy. And so the primary end of salvation is not heaven, but conformity to the image of Christ. In Romans 8.29, that, that's what that tells us. So in Christ Jesus, the church is holy. In other words, set apart and like Jesus. All three of these creeds, the, uh, the Apostles' Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Nicene Creed, all three of these major creeds affirm the Christian truth of who God's people are in Christ. And so the vast implications of the church's holiness begin with a different perspective. While Christians are not in their glorified state yet, they are positionally righteous in Christ and one day will be made actually righteous. That's an aspect we tend to forget about. Yes, in Christ, we are positionally righteous. God, the Father, sees the righteousness of the Son when he beholds the people, the, the church. But we often, we often forget that we are also being made actually 
righteous and one day will be made like him. And so the father beholds the complete and total righteousness of the son when he sees the church. And so to confess that the church is holy is to confess that the church's new nature requires a new way of living, namely like Christ. Christians are no longer evil and no longer live as the world lives because the church is holy. So the third essential here, and this is what, what I want to get to. This is the biggie. The church is Catholic. Okay, this is probably the most important one in this, this podcast. The three primary Christian creeds don't speak of the Catholic denomination, but rather the universal nature of the church. Brothers and sisters from around the globe, from the most diverse backgrounds, from centuries of history, and from varying degrees of past sin are found as one body called the Bride of Christ. And when I say varying degrees of past sin... What I mean by that is that from a human perspective, when you look at, at sin, there are um, perhaps degrees of um, consequences for that sin. All sin is equal, and reality is that we are all equally depraved. But as far as consequential um, evidence, there are certainly varying degrees of past sin. And, and so Christians, the, the church is comprised of believers who, uh, believe it or not, you have murderers who are Christians and are going to be with Jesus to people who have only told little white lies. You have all of that. So the church is universal, despite the many local churches and denominations which exist. So consider the church as a body. When a human body has medical needs, you, when your body has medical needs, you consult with a physician, um, often a specialized type of doctor, maybe a cardiologist or a podiatrist or an ophthalmologist, whatever the case may be, because each part of the body has different needs. And so in a similar way, local churches and denominations might be considered different parts of the same body. While Jesus, the great physician, meets his people where they are, no matter where they come from. And so in variations of Christian subculture, believers should not forget the universal nature of the body, because the church is a Catholic or a universal church. The fourth essential here is that the church is apostolic. Like the term Catholic, apostolic is often related to something else, uh, usually uh, Pentecostal traditions. I grew up in a Baptist church, but I played in a band in high school um, in which most of the people in the band were Pentecostal. They were apostolic. But in this case, in these creeds, apostolic refers to the derivation of the apostles. So said another way, the church's roots are secured firmly in the apostles and Pentecost. The church began at Pentecost. Pentecost is the church's birthday. And so while not all denominations employ practices of speaking in tongues or gifts of the Spirit... All churches stem from the beginnings of the church in Acts chapter 2. And so the same spirit who worked miraculously in the early church is the same spirit that works miraculously today and changes believers by his power. So no matter the belief in gifts of the spirit, whatever the case may be, all true believers are part of one church, which is apostolic. 
And so here's the vital application in all of this. In all of these thoughts, there's one vital application, and that's the unity of the church should be exhibited. Tertullian taught that the unity of the church is a perpetual fact and not something to be reached but exhibited because the unity of the church has already been reached and accomplished in Jesus Christ. So we just have to exhibit it. So while the three major ecclesiastical creeds may slightly differ in text, and and, and they do differ a little bit, the primary source or a primary source of commonality is the ecumenical and, and yet unified nature of the church. To understand the church as one holy Catholic and apostolic is to live a life in such a way that views all believers, regardless of differences, secondary beliefs, or secondary opinions, as people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so brothers and sisters by blood often disagree. If you've had a brother or sister growing up, you know that. There are times where you disagree, but they're part of the same family. The church's universal nature in Christ demands a brotherly love which supersedes secondary issues and realizes all believers as the church, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it.